Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning, obviously, we've mentioned a number of anniversaries and talking about the anniversary of the church and the anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. And so naturally, uh, it'd be a good opportunity for us to think about anniversaries of our church. Perhaps you might think about the anniversary of your country. For me, I also this past week got to celebrate the anniversary of my salvation. I was saved on July the 2nd, a number of years ago. And so uh, I, this, this week is kind of a, a special week for me with a number of milestones in my life. And so I thought there, there's a good question for us to ask, which is what is an anniversary for, right? Why do we have anniversaries? Why do we celebrate these days that we call anniversaries. And of course, you've got a number of anniversaries. You know, you have your birthday, you have maybe your wedding anniversary. You know, we've got the church anniversary today and, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence, the anniversary of our country and a a number of different things. We're going to take a look this morning at an anniversary in the Bible. Now, we don't we don't call it an anniversary and we don't really think of it as an anniversary, but In all practicality, it serves as what we would do with an anniversary. Take a look at the verse again, Exodus chapter 12, verse number 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. So that's the word that God uses, a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So every single year, they were supposed to observe this Passover feast as an anniversary memorial to what they were about to go through. So I want to see this morning, what is the purpose of anniversaries? And we're going to see how anniversaries are great reminders. They are great reminders. So we're going to take a look at what anniversaries remind us of, or at least in this passage, how God used this anniversary celebration, the Passover, to remind the children of Israel of some important things. So first of all, we see that anniversaries remind us of our past. They remind us of our past. So when you celebrate an anniversary, what do you think about? Well, naturally, you think about the day that you're celebrating, right? So when it comes to a wedding anniversary, I'm going to use that illustration a lot, but the wedding anniversary, what I'm celebrating is something that happened in the past. I'm celebrating the day that I got married, that me and my wife got married together. And when I think about my wedding and my marriage and the beginning of it, there's a number of things that I think about. I think about how God brought me to her. And I've given this testimony a number of times, so I'll give you the truncated version, if you will. But God had a plan for me and my wife to be married. The problem is she lived in New Jersey and I lived in Seattle. How does a Jersey girl and a Seattle boy meet together and get married? Well, God had to work in my life. And so God called me into ministry. And there's a number of different events that happened where if the timing was a little bit different, it could have turned out very differently. But I stayed at home for another year. 
against, you know, my personal desires. I wanted to just go to Bible college. I committed myself to ministry. Just wanted to get out there and get into working at churches. God told me, hold on a second. Just slow down. Work here for a year. After that year, I went to Bible college for a number of years, graduated, went to Korea, and met a guy that many of you who have been around for a long time will know. His name is Josh Byun. He was a youth pastor here for a number of years. He was my roommate in Korea. We were roommates together. We'd never met before. I'd never heard of his name before. He didn't know anything about me before, but we met. We were roommates together. He told me after I left Korea, go to, you know, why don't you think about his dad's church in New Jersey? And so I, I visited over there, decided to go there, began to work there. Lo and behold, we started dating and we got married. I know that that's not as exciting for you as it is for me, but it's very exciting for me to think about. Just like for you, your anniversaries or your birthdays or whatever milestones you have in your life, they're exciting for you because you get to think about, wow, look how God led me to this person. Look at how God began this church. Look at how God began this country. And I think about over the years, we've been married, uh, this, we celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary this year. I think about how God brought us through those years and the number of different things that we've been able to have and experience. We have two kids. We love our kids and just being able to grow as a family and grow in ministry and grow as Christians. It's wonderful just being able to think about all of those things that happened in the past. Now, we're here on July the 4th celebrating the church anniversary, which is tomorrow. Now, I don't think there's anybody here, unless Pastor Choi is here, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody here who's been here from the beginning, right? You weren't here to start the church. You weren't here on day one. And so perhaps you might think, well, this church anniversary is not maybe as significant as something that maybe happened to you personally, like you were there. But think about instead, perhaps, how God brought you to this church. Think about that. I want you to think about who brought you here. Isn't that worth celebrating? Now, the fact that there was a place for somebody to bring you is worth celebrating, right? That's in essence what we're celebrating today. When we talk about anniversary Sunday at our church, it means God moved in an individual to start a church whereby somebody could say, why don't you come visit my church? Or there were church members here who said, I want to share with you the gospel because they got saved in this church or they were growing in the Lord in this church and, and gave the gospel to another individual. And I want you to think about how God built this church and how God used the, di the different ministries in order to help you and to encourage you. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for the individuals that have come through your life and were a part of the ministry here in the church? Maybe they were a youth group teacher. Maybe they were a mentor. Maybe they were a life connection leader. Maybe they were just a friend in the church who was there with you, helping you and encouraging you. So that's what anniversaries do. They remind us of the past. I want you to turn to verse number one of the chapter we're looking at. Verse number one says, Then the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Do you read what God is saying? God is saying, let me tell you, this is the beginning of all beginnings, if you want to put it that way. This is the first day of the month of the year. I'm telling you, no matter what calendar system was out there before, today marks day one of month one of 
year one. In essence, that's what they're doing. And it's a wonderful memorial or anniversary. So we got to think about, okay, in terms of these people, what did the anniversaries remind them of? Well, the anniversary reminded them of their participation in this feast. Verse number three, speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth month of this day, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the house will be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. So here is God saying, every house, you need to secure a lamb. If you don't have a lamb, you go to your neighbor and you share a lamb. That's basically what he's saying. Verse number five, your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So you have this lamb. It can't be just any lamb. It's got to be a particular lamb. It's got to be a lamb without blemish. It's got to be a male of the first year. It's got to have these particular character traits. And then you're going to offer it as a sacrifice. Verse 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast it with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. So here is God instituting what we now know as the Passover. The Passover feast is now being done for the very first time. And so what God says is everybody needs to have a lamb. It's got to be a lamb without blemish. It can't have spots in its coat. It can't have broken legs. It's got to be a lamb without blemish. It's got to be a male of the first year. You take it, you sacrifice it, and then you strike the blood on the doorpost and on, on, on top of the door. And you are going to roast the lamb with fire. You will eat it that night, and you're not going to leave any of it until morning. No leftovers. That's what God is saying, all right? You're not planning on saving some so you can have it for lunch tomorrow. You eat it all today, okay? That's what he's saying. Verse 12, For I will pass through the lamb of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So if you're familiar with the story of Moses and Egypt and the 10 plagues, this is after plague number nine, right before plague number 10. Plague number 10 is the death of all the firstborn, of all the people, of all the cattle, of all the flocks, everything. The firstborn is going to die that night unless, unless there is a sacrifice that is made in substitution. That's what this lamb represented. This lamb represented death is coming 
but there's a sacrifice that will spare you from that destruction. That Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. That Passover lamb represents the Savior of the world. That Passover lamb represents this one that we have put our trust in to save us from our sins. This anniversary reminds them we should have suffered, but God spared us. That's worth celebrating. That's worthy of a memorial. That's worthy of an anniversary celebration. Are you saved today? Are you saved today? Do you know that heaven is your home? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? That's worth celebrating. That's worth saying, God, I'm so thankful for the salvation that you have given to me. That's what this Passover celebrated or, or, or represented. And it reminded them of their past. It reminded them destruction was coming, but I spared you. It also reminded them of their preparation in faith. Verse number 11. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So God says, when you come and you eat this dinner, you've got to come dressed, okay? You don't come like, all right, I'm going to have my family dinner together and then I'm going to go to sleep. He says, no. You come with your loins girded, all right? So you know in the Bible days they would wear robes. To have your loins girded was basically you would have a belt and you would basically take your robe and kind of secure it because if you have a long robe and you try to run, you're probably going to trip on it, right? So if you were doing work, if you're going into battle, if you were running somewhere, you would gird up your loins. So you would have your loins girded. You would take your robe, kind of tie it into your belt some way so that kind of the loose flowy fabric wouldn't get in the way of your feet. He said, you eat it prepared to leave. Your shoes on your feet, okay? As a Korean American, we do not wear our shoes in our homes, right? We take our shoes off <laughs> and then we enter our home without our shoes, all right? I don't want any dirt. I don't want any whatever you stepped in tracking through the house. We take our shoes off, okay? I don't know what they did, but God made it clear, you leave your shoes on, okay? All right, so for me, if I were in that day, I'd have to say, all right, I guess we're eating with our shoes on today. That's what God said, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, all right? You don't bring a staff with you if you're just walking around the corner to get to the grocery store, right? You take a staff if you're going on a long journey. So what God is saying here is, be prepared to leave. You're going on a long journey. Now you have to remember where Israel's coming from. They're coming from bondage. They're slaves. They're under control of Egypt, of Pharaoh, of their army. When God is saying, you eat, prepare to leave, he's saying, trust me. After today, Pharaoh will let you go. They were to eat this feast in faith. Now, when I asked you just a moment ago if you know that you're saved, part of the question is, really, have you put your whole trust in Jesus Christ? Is that where your faith is? Because you're not getting saved with faith plus works. That's not how you get saved. You get saved in faith and faith alone. That's what God is telling to these people as well. He's saying, I will deliver you, but you got to trust me. 
You got to trust me. You got to come prepared, knowing that I will deliver you. Hebrews chapter 11. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you must come in faith. So once again, it's a reminder of their past that they were delivered, that they participated in this feast, that they did it in faith, and it reminds them again of their Passover forgiveness, that they were spared. So anniversaries remind us of our past. Our church anniversary ought to remind us of our church past. Now, maybe you haven't been here for a very long time. You've been here a day, a month, a year, 10 years. You're, you haven't been here from the beginning. Right? Maybe you don't know and recognize everything that has happened in the past because you weren't here. But there is much to celebrate on the anniversary of our church. Amen? Amen. There is much to celebrate considering the past of our church, considering the past we were lost. Those of you that are now saved, you were lost and now you are saved. Anniversaries remind us of our past. Anniversaries also remind us of our priorities. So anniversaries, as wonderful as they are in terms of thinking about our past, I mentioned my wedding anniversary, and I mentioned, you know, I think about how God brought us together. I think about the day we got married. I think about having kids together. I think about the wonderful days that we've been able to enjoy together, the vacations that we've gone on together, ministering together in our church. I, I, those are wonderful things, but anniversaries should do more than that in terms of not just thinking, wow, what a wonderful past we had, we should also think about what does an anniversary mean for me today? What does an anniversary mean that I should be doing today? Just like a wedding anniversary ought to remind me, I made some vows to that woman on the day that we got married. I should keep those vows. Amen? <laughs> That's what an anniversary, not that, you know, we forget our vows. It's not that we forgot that we committed ourselves to each other. But you know what I'm saying? An anniversary day will be an especially special moment in terms of bringing out those commitments. Hey, we got married seven years ago, you know, and one day in the future, we got married 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Let's stay committed to each other. Let's love each other like we committed to love one another. And in the same way, spiritual anniversaries remind us not just of our wonderful past, but of our wonderful commitment and priorities today. So I want us to see what it is that God wanted them to prioritize. First of all, we see that he wanted them to prioritize the Savior. Verse number 14, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Remember what it says here. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord. To the Lord. Anniversaries should remind us that we are committed to God. Amen? Amen. Anniversaries should remind us that we should live for God. That's what they remind us of. Are you saved today? Is heaven your home? Who saved you? Did you save yourself? Did I save you? Did your best friend save you? Who saved you? If you're saved, who saved you? 
God saved you. Jesus saved you. Amen? Amen. Should we not commit our lives to this one who saved us? Should we not say, God, you spared me. I'm going to live for you. Isn't that reasonable? Isn't that understandable? Isn't that also what God desires of us? See, when you get married, you live for that other person. Amen? When you get married, you become one flesh together. To love your spouse is to love yourself. To love yourself is to love your spouse. And so what God is saying here is, in this union that I have made, you should commit yourself to this other person. In the church, we are the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 makes it clear. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. The wedding picture, the marriage picture, is a picture of what God is doing with his church. And so it reminds us of our current priorities, that we should be fervently loving. We ought to love God. We ought to love this one that saved us. We should be fervently loyal. Amen? Amen? Just like when you're married, you want that person to be loyal to you forever. Every day you want them to be loyal. Amen? Amen. God desires for us to be loyal each and every day. God desires for us to love him. We love him because he first loved us. Mark chapter number 10 says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And it reminds us that we should be focused in living for him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, anniversaries are a reminder of our current priorities in terms of that we should love God. We should live for God. It's also a reminder to prioritize the scriptures. Verse 15, seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Verse 17, and ye shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread, for in the selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Now, I know that these verses maybe are not the most interesting verses because it's talking about a command that we don't do, right? We don't do the Passover feast. We don't do the Passover meal. But the point of it is this. If you're going to do what I ask you to do, you should remember what I said, right? Remember what I said, remember how I told you to do it, and do it the way that I told you to do it, right? Right? That's the Passover feast. The Passover feast is, this is how I want you to do it. Do it this way. I'm giving you instruction. Follow my instruction. Amen? Right? In an anniversary, in a marriage, for instance, I'm going to use that illustration again, all right? It's important to remember the words of your spouse. Amen? 
It's important to remember the words of your spouse. Don't forget that. It's important. You got to listen. All right? If you're not listening, you get in trouble. Amen? Rightfully so. Amen? Rightfully so. Do we listen to God? Do we listen to God like he wants us to listen to him and to remember him? I mean, did he not give himself for us? Did he not sacrifice himself for us? Did he not love us? We should remember those words. We remember the words of people around us. We remember the words of our spouse, right? If your spouse says, I hate avocados, and every day you, when you go to Chipotle, you ask, hey, you want some guacamole? <laughs> Why don't you like guacamole? It's great. Put some gua I'm putting guacamole. Hey, put guacamole in, her, in, in that burrito. She would be like, I've told you this before. I, I don't know why you would hate it, but just bear with me. I hate avocados. I don't like avocados. I don't like guacamole. I don't like any of that. I don't like avocado on my toast. I don't like it in my burrito. I don't like it on my taco. I don't like it wherever you go. I don't want it. And if every time you just say, oh yeah, I forgot that you don't like avocados, your spouse would be like, what are you talking about? You forgot? You forgot that I don't like avocados? I've told you this every single time we go to Chipotle. We go to Chipotle every week <laughs> or whatever, you know? Okay, we understand that if your spouse tells you something, I hate this or I don't like this or the opposite, I love this, you should remember that. You should remember that, right? <laughs> right? You should remember that, right? Is not God our loving Heavenly Father, is not our God the one who committed himself to us? We, the church, are the bride of Christ, and Christ is telling us in the Bible, I don't like these things, and I love these things. Should we not remember that? Is it hard to remember those things? God desires that we remember those things, that we remember his words. That's what anniversaries do. Anniversaries remind me I should remember what God is telling me and what I should do today. It also reminds us to prioritize sanctification. We won't go through all the verses, but verse 15 says, you shall eat unleavened bread. You know in the Bible, leaven represents sin. Once sin gets into the bread, or once sin gets into life, it spreads. It consumes the whole thing. Just like leaven put into a piece of dough, just put a little bit on there. It will consume the whole thing. It'll get everywhere. And so what God says, I don't want a little bit. I want none of it. You get rid of all of it. No leaven anywhere in the house. Seven days, you're not eating any of those things. So God wants us to prioritize sanctification and also to prioritize sharing with others. Jump down to verse number 25. Verse number 25 says this, we should prioritize passing it down to the next generation because it says there, and it shall come to pass when ye become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep his service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshiped. 
So what God is saying is, I'm telling you what to do today, and I'm telling you what to do a hundred years from now. You're going to observe this feast a hundred years from now, and your grandchildren or great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren will participate in the feast and ask, why are we doing this, right? Kids love to ask the question, why, right? This is one of the advantages of having kids that ask the question, why? When you do something like this, they ask, why? Why are we doing this? Oh, let me tell you the story. We are doing this because we were in bondage and now we are free. I want to tell you the story. And they would open up the scriptures. They would read out of the book of Exodus. They would tell the story about how God called Moses and the 10 plagues came and God freed them and delivered them. That is what we are celebrating. God delivered us. And you, my child, grandchild, great-grandchild, you live in freedom today because of what God did for your ancestors many generations ago. Now, on a day like today, church anniversary day, it's the same thing. We have much to be thankful for today because of the sacrifices of people many years ago. You weren't there for that. I wasn't there for that. None of us were around here for that. But God did some wonderful things in order that we could be all gathered here together today. Amen? That's what our church... Now, none of us were here on day one when Pastor Choi was here. I don't know what it was like. I wasn't here 10 years ago. I wasn't here five years ago. I don't don't have a long-rooted history here in the church. I just know this. I have much to be thankful for because of what God did through Pastor Choi, through other individuals here in this church so that I might be here today and that you might be here today. And does that not carry with it the responsibility should the next generation not only have the same opportunity as us? Shouldn't our kids have the same ability to come and worship at a church like we do? Amen? Amen. Should they not? Is, is it, wouldn't that be fair? Now, whose job is it to make sure that our kids have a church? That's us. Amen? That's us. That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to make sure there's, a, there's an opportunity for our children to hear the gospel, to have the Bible, to have a church, to be able to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's on us. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. That there's going to be people that will move into this area. They need to hear the gospel. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that there's a church here that lets people know there's a God that loves them, that wants them to be saved, and if you would put your trust in Jesus Christ, you could be saved. Where does that responsibility lie? It lies on us. That's on us. So anniversaries remind us of our past. They remind us of our priorities. And thirdly, they remind us of our prospects. They remind us of our prospects. It's getting a little warm in here. Can we kick on that AC, please? Anniversaries remind us of our prospects. See, when you think about your wedding anniversary, hopefully you don't just think about your past or your present. I hope you think about your future. Because that's what I do on our wedding anniversary when I talk to my wife. We think about the past, but we talk a lot more about the future. We talk about not just what we have done together, 
but what we will do together in the future. I love to talk about one day our kids are going to grow up. That's exciting. I love watching my kids grow. I love it when before they couldn't really say anything and then they began to say words. I was like, oh, my child is calling for me. Appa. And then I realized she calls everybody Appa. <laughs> you know, she's just saying, you give me something. And then I was like, no, that's not what the word means. All right, let me teach you a little more, right? And then you begin to tease them a little bit more and they begin to speak in sentences. And then they begin to, you begin to see their personality and you begin to see what, they, what they're thinking and what they're doing. And you see, ah, oh, okay, this is, this is, no, 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 this is the way that you should go. Let me help you with this. And it's exciting to be able to see them to grow. And I'm excited to see how my kids will grow. I'm excited to see how my marriage relationship will grow. It's amazing. We lived for seven years together and there are still things that we're discovering about each other. I didn't know that you did that. I didn't know that you liked that. And she would say the same about me. We learn about each other and we grow in our love together and we grow in ministry together. Now, you can't change what happened in the past, but you can change how you live in the future. And that's what anniversaries do. Anniversaries are not just reminders about what happened in the past. They are reminders of what could happen in the future. That's what anniversaries do. This shall be a feast unto you, a memorial. Verse number 14. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord, notice these next words, throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. God threw in a big word there that we can overlook pretty easily, but it's a big word. He used the word forever. Now, when God uses the word forever, he's not like the way that we use words like forever or, you know, literally or whatever. You know, we use all these words to make it sound like I'm starving. I'm going to die. You're not starving, child. I just gave you a snack an hour ago. Okay, you'll be okay, right? We can exaggerate some of these things. God's not exaggerating when he uses the word, you'll do this forever. He's saying, you'll do it forever. There will be a Jewish nation that will be there to participate in the feast forever, and you will do it forever. There's a promise of a prospect of a future life, future generations. Now, when you got saved, you were not just saved from your sins. You were saved from your sins, but you were saved unto eternal life. You have a guarantee of forever. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. And doesn't that mean we got something to look forward to? God said, I will build my church. We've got a church in the future that we can look forward to, to serve in, to work in, to minister in, to bring people to, to share the gospel with. We also see this prospect of the promised land. He uses some words in verse number 15. He uses the word houses. And then in verse number 25, he uses the word land. So you will live, you will own a house in this land that I'm going to give you. These were slaves. They own nothing. And God is saying, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you property, and I'm going to give you a house you're going to have a wonderful promised land. And God has promised to us 
a wonderful future land in heaven. If you're saved, you have a mansion waiting for you. You have a home in heaven waiting for you. Thirdly, we also see this prospect of perfect liberty. In verse number 16, and on the first day there shall be an holy convocation. Okay, convocation just means meeting. You're going to have a holy meeting, a big meeting on the first day. And in the seventh day, there shall be an holy convocation to you. Another big meeting. First day, you have a meeting. Last day, you have a meeting. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. Now, you have to remember again, these are slaves. Slaves were told when to work and when not to work. That was the life of these Israelites. God is saying, you will have a day when you get to choose not to. Meaning, you will be free. These children of Israel understood we're going to be free. When you get saved, you became free. Did you know that? If you're lost, you're in bondage to sin. When you get saved, you get freed from sin and the penalty of it. And you have a wonderful future ahead of you. A wonderful future. I don't know what your future holds. I don't know what the future of this church holds. But an anniversary reminds us, God said, I will build my church. There's going to be some exciting days ahead. I hope that you remember that. And I hope that you'll be there for that. Because anniversaries remind us of our past. God did some wonderful things for you if you're lost, or if you're saved, and you were lost, and now you're saved. Did some wonderful things for our church. Anniversaries remind us of our current priorities. If we were lost and now we are saved, what should we do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's what Paul said. And it reminds us of our prospects, our future. We got a wonderful future ahead of us because of what God did for us in saving us.